Chicago hard. Chicago hard. Chicago hard. Up and into them. Right from the start of the game. Gotta get those. Come on. They gotta feel them. They gotta feel us. They gotta get into them. Let's go. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the fucking job done. Because you know why? Because when, when we play good, they send this single guy to this table and talk to them like a hero. When we f it up, I'm the one I gotta sit here and talk to you guys. Get your mouth shot, jerk. See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. Defensively. Defensively. Just by taking the ball away. We didn't take the ball away enough tonight. Okay, we make a couple more shots. Our, our, our record's different. We get a couple Welcome more to the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A-Dub. I'm Press. Fellas, what's good? Man, I can't call it DC. It's your world. Hey, Doug, what's the good word over there, fam? Everything is good over here, Prez, man. Good to be here chatting with you guys today, man. What's happening? Hey, man, we got some good weather, man. I'm enjoying that. These little last days of getting this sunshine in. And I'm just trying to soak it in, man, before that fucking hawk comes back. <laughs> it's coming soon, brother. It's coming. Winter is a coming. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> that's one of those things here in Chicago that's definitely going to be certain. And that hawk is one of them. And people not knowing how to act like they got any goddamn sense. But that's something totally for another day, another conversation. But everything's <laughs> good over here. <laughs> Life is good. That's a good thing, my brother. Great thing. Well, listen, audience, as always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. Please join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. The Crave It app is available on Apple and Android applications. Fellas, now I lied to the audience and I said life is good because life ain't necessarily all good over here. Sunday night, our Chicago Bears laid an egg against the L.A. Rams. And I probably grayed a little bit more after watching that game. And I don't need anything else that's going to make me gray. I'm over here looking like Ben Wallace right now, to be honest with you. I'm like starting to look my age. But anyway, fellas, <laughs> how can the Bears fix their issues, man? Because they got a lot of them. The first thing they got to fix really is the holes in the secondary. They got to play more discipline because you saw in that game, kind of gave us some big plays. Guys got lost out there where they're supposed to be with their assignments, and it came back and cost us. So we have to be better in that area. We have to be a little bit more uh, willing to take chances in, in terms of throwing the deep ball. You saw Andy Dalton play it safe out there. Fields came in and got excited there for a second. And No, that's a fair point. I actually like both of you guys. It's like your jump-off points there because A-Dub, to that point, that secondary's got to clean up that shit real quick because we can't be getting gashed like that. The missed assignments – the missed tackling. I mean, you and I talked about it on the Bears Central, so we're not going to retrace anything there, but very fair point. DC, I was really surprised by the way that Matt Nagy game-planned against the Rams. All the routes were short. They've been talking all offseason about all this speed in the wide receiver, and we've even talked about it on the show, how speed kills. Well, shit, speed kills unless you go use it, because if you ain't going <laughs> to use it, then what's the fucking point of having all that speed? You got a damn Olympic track athlete on this damn team, and he running six-yard routes. That don't make no sense. Don't make them happy at all either. Like, whoa, this, this is how you guys want to use my speed? Okay, all right, we're going to play into their hands. <laughs> That's exactly what we did too, man. 
We just can't play that way going forward. We know that already now. We got to make some changes. And I definitely like what you guys already shared. So we'll see how game two go, Perez. We'll see if Desai got on these team butt. Because I know I saw his presser. He talked big about, you know, the fact he was being, you know, had to be pretty much open and honest with the team, really, and put things out there. So make sure everyone's being held accountable for how they play, including himself or how he coached. I hope he jumped all over those guys' asses this week because that's just unacceptable. As you guys both know and our audience knows, the Chicago Bears, when you think about this team historically, you think about Walter Payton and you think about good defenses. And right now, they're not doing that legacy proud right now, playing the way that they play. Those defensive players, they should have been ashamed when they walked off that field, when they went to that locker room. I hope that fucking shower just felt like the worst shower. I hope they had so much hard water when they were taking those showers because they didn't deserve having good water when they <laughs> fucking played that they played. <laughs> they did deserve that. I didn't see the leadership from the D-line or from the secondary press. It's like no one stepped up to take charge. The closest I've seen to any leadership was when Eddie Jackson gave Alec Ogletree a little earful from when he made that dumb play and that caused the penalty for taunting. That's the only thing I've seen them step up their game on with doing that. But other than that, I didn't see a lot of leadership from the team. Yeah, and then some of those plays were just downright embarrassing. So I agree with you, man. That, that shower should have been very introspective. Everybody taking a long, hard look at themselves and just trying to figure out how do we correct this for week two? Because you can't get the season started off on that note when defense is what you hang your hat on. You know, I hope they figure it out really quick. Now, I will say this. Even though it's hard for me to be positive after what I saw on Sunday night, because that shit was just, it was awful. But one thing that I want to say is, it's never smart to overreact after one game, right? So I'm going to give this thing a chance. Hopefully that defense can make those adjustments. Hopefully Sean Desai can get that team to figure some things out. Hopefully they make a trip to see the Wizard and find that heart. They need it. However, a point that A-Dub made on our DeBarris Central's podcast is he talked about the fact that, hey, we're fortunate in the fact that every team in our division lost on Sunday, which means we're all tied for first place right now. At the end of the day, if the Bears go out there and handle their business on Sunday, then this game right here could just be just a minor little blimp on the road to them going back to the playoffs and maybe making some noise. But we shall see, fellas. It's going to be an interesting game. we got a young kid out there who's coming here and wanted to show us something So with Joe Burrow. So hopefully we can um, slow him down for us along with the uh, rest of those guys over there. Yeah, we'll definitely see. Because that Cincinnati Bengals team, they're coming in here, high-powered offense, as you said. Slight improvements on their defense. So it's going to be a big test for Andy Dalton and the boys. And one of the real reasons why I'm very high on the Bears winning this matchup on Sunday is the fact that we got David Montgomery in that backfield. And he's someone that I'm super high on. He's going to have a big-time season, I think. He showed the NFL world that he's someone that they need to be keeping a really good eye on this season. And I think that if Matt Nagy calls plays like he has some sense, give this kid the ball 25 to 30 times, we should get the W on Sunday. That'll definitely do it right there. There'll be a going to parse that will help us get a victory. But one thing I also want to add to that as well is that we're going to need to see the best of Khalil Mack. We've got to see the best of him. Absolutely. And a, a steady diet of David Montgomery should get the job done. I agree with you, Prez, there. And if you think about it, too, this kid has not even hit his ceiling yet. So like you said, he gave the NFL a glimpse there. So we need more of that. Hey, man, well, speaking of serving them up, the waiter enters the Hall of Fame, fellas. Talk to him. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> just to just to borrow uh, expression there from, from 90s R&B there, super group. 
this man put in work early, early in his career overseas. So hats off to Tony Kukoc getting that nod. Respect, man. You know, the Chicago Bulls, Scotty said it himself, would not have won had it not been for a guy like Tony Kukoc. So well-deserved. And he fucking bailed Scotty ass out when he decided to not go to the game with the 1.8 seconds. We ain't forget about that, Scotty. We ain't forget. Chill, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Give up my man, Scotty, but you're right, though, man. Definitely right about that. But yeah, Tony Kukos, man, he done a lot for the team. I think he's the one that really gave us a different identity to like to let us run small ball, friends. We could have put him at the four and let Dennis Rodman play the five, and we don't lose a beat. That's pretty much what was one of our best lineups with him in it. Him, Scotty, you know, uh, Mike. Ron Hopper, you know, and and Dennis Rodman. You've got these guys really taking the offense and defense and really making an impact. And Tony Kuko's a big part of that, man. With him winning the six-minute-year award as well, he showed his value with this team. So, salute to him, man. He wasn't just a guy on the team. He was a guy that really made an impact. Yeah, and one thing, too, and, and you guys both made really great points. The one thing that I wanted to add when I think about Tony, I think about how he was able to overcome adversity. I mean, anyone that knows basketball, you guys remember Tony did not have a good game in the Olympics in 92. Jordan and Pippen, they went out of their way to give that guy hell in that Olympic game when the U.S. played Croatia. But you know what? Tony humbled himself from that. He came into training camp. He knew he was coming into a situation where those veterans on that team was looking at him sideways. But he earned their respect. He earned the respect of Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time. That's not something that's easy to do. And that's why you got to give credit to Tony because he humbled himself. He came in here. He played his ass off. Now, he might not have been much of a defender, but he added a lot to this team with his playmaking, his shot-making ability, those passes, bro. That's why I called him that waiter. He served them damn things up. And Tony Kukoc, well-deserved, man, making it to the Hall of Fame. And if you look at it too, Prez, he was one of the first of his kind in, in terms of coming over from Europe, like you said having to earn that respect from Mike and Scotty, but setting the the path or paving the way for guys like Dirk Nowitzki to come over, you know, just those big European players that are, are skilled and, and not just shooters. I mean, we just saw a guy like Laurie Markkinen leave town, but had there not been a Tony Kukoc, we may not see a Laurie Markkinen. That's a really good damn point because you got to think about that. He was one of those early cats that came over from Europe. Now, shit, they they come over. Shit, they're like half of those guys are going <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> a dime a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you guys there, DC. Excellent point right there because the one thing about Tony Coco is about being 6'11". I mean, the one thing that you are alluding to is the back how he can put the ball on the floor. I mean, Tony Kukos has some dribbling. He can dribble the ball very well, can create his own shot. And that doesn't get enough credit right there, Perez, because a guy like him can come and get 18 off the bench, 16 to 18, and do his thing. And that'd be the difference in the game right there. A guy to come in, you don't lose the beat when you make some subs. So salute to Tony Kukoc for all what he brought to the table here. And another thing, too, you have to think about how unselfish Tony was. Now, when Tony was over there playing in Europe, this guy was winning championships. He was racking up big-time numbers, and he was the lead guy over there. But when he comes to the team where he's now playing with Jordan, and Pippen, and even Rodman. He's taking a back seat to those guys. And you know what? Tony was the consummate teammate because he did that, never complained about his role, and went out there when they called his number, he competed, and he made shit happen. And the one thing, too, that I always give him credit with the fact of is that he was more into team success 
that he was his own successor. He even made that point during his Hall of Fame speech. And I wish that there were more players in the league that hung their hat on the success of the team and not their own individual success. If you put Tony Kukoc on any other of the teams that he played, maybe Philly, Atlanta, or, or, or Milwaukee, early in his career, fresh coming over from Europe, he could have been a 20-point-per-game score. He could have been that dude. But coming over to the Bulls, that wasn't required of him. So he found a way to expand his game in other areas. Like you mentioned, A-Dub, with his, play, with his playmaking ability, man, you know, prioritizing the team will always, always benefit you in the locker room. You'll earn the respect of your teammates, of the fans, of the coaches. You know, that's that's a skill. That's a, a trait that doesn't go unnoticed. That's the one thing you got to give a lot of guys, like you all were saying, from, that come from over there in that area. They come with that kind of play banking ability. We see a lot of them now that come with that height and what they can do. So I think, like you said, Tony Kuko is one of those first guys that came with that. And it doesn't surprise you, right, to see a guy like him in the Hall of Fame because he's one of those guys who actually helped change the game that don't get a lot of credit for doing that. No, that's a really good point. And, you know, the one of the points of his speech that really had me laughing before we move on to the current day Bulls team, he said that the practices that they had during that dynasty era were harder than the games that they played in. Can you imagine that? They got to the game and it was like, this is light work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wow. It should be. You think about it, that's really the goal right there. You shouldn't come out on game night expecting to get your ass whooped. You know, you should have gotten your ass whooped at practice by your team. <laughs> and then you go out and you take it out on, on the opposition. So, yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah, and it shows you what accountability was held there, right? It was held in the practice. Yeah, and they definitely were for them. I mean, especially <laughs> that 72 win season, brothers. Mercy. Those are the good old days. Because now... What we face with is bitter ex-players on the way out uh, complaining about getting short text messages. DC, what do you think about uh, Sato having some hard feelings towards AK about the short text message he received when he was traded? Man, I know a thing or two about bitter exes. Let me just... <laughs> and it's never fun. It's, it's never fun. When you look at a guy like Sato, his approach to the game... It's cool. You know, Sato, you, you did a good job here, but your services were no longer needed. We moved in a different direction. Can't be mad at that. You you just got to move on with your life and your career, sir. At least you got a text message. I mean, I don't think many other GMs around the league would even do that, you know, for a player of of, of his caliber. And, and, you know, that's not to knock on, on Sato too much, but I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> well, Sato was expecting a little bit more than that. Like you said, the league is a business, right? It's a business. And a lot of these guys now are expecting more than just being a business. They're looking more for the relationship piece. So with him, it's like bittersweet. Like, okay, this is all you're going to tell me? You all didn't appreciate me enough for playing? This is all you're going to send me in a text message? So he was expecting more, more of a conversation, more of some dialogue, you know, what, what was going on here. So I get it. This new age is different than how it was back in the day, you know, and um, that's kind of the trend we see now with these players. You guys both came at that very differently, and I agree with both. To your point, DC, I mean, come on, man. Like, Sato, get out your feelings. But then to Ado's point, some of these players have to realize that while it is a business, they know that you, they can be traded or released at a, at a drop of a hat. It's okay. It's human for them to want to have some sort of a relationship with their bosses, right? And for them to feel like that person actually cares about them. Because what it felt like from Sato's point of view was, he was like, look, I was here for a couple of years. I went through some hard times here. 
I was expecting a little bit more in return inside, besides thank you for your time in Chicago. So if that's if that was the message that he sent, I'm like, damn. <laughs> right, right, friends. I'm with you there. Like, damn, man, I couldn't get a phone call to tell me, talk to me or something. I couldn't get a steak out you or something. You know, hey, you know, I thought we we're cool like that. So apparently we not. The breakup over text. Suarez <laughs> <laughs> made it clear, though, when he came here, he was going to change the direction of this franchise. And I'm pretty sure Gar Foreman would have shined Sato's shoes on the way out. I can't say that five times, fam. He would have <laughs> he would have kissed Sato's ass on the way out the door. Right. He would have got that treatment from from Gar Pax, but he's not a Arturis guy. And you know he was he was Gar's pick, so. You know, I get it, A-Dub. He wants to be treated nicely and fairly. I get that, too, but it is a business. I'm with you there. It's a business. Nothing you can do about that. And like you said, he wasn't one of AK's guys, you know? So AK didn't feel obligated to give him more than that, really. Like, honestly, was not that type, brother. I mean, you're cool and all, but we're not that type. Yeah, no, I mean, so when I look at it, I, I look at what both of you guys said, and I guarantee you, when our listeners hear us talk through this, you're going to have people on both sides of the coin. You're going to have some people saying... Fuck his feelings. Who cares? Enjoy your career. You have other people that's like, he was a good soldier when he was here. AK could at least pick up a phone and call them. You know, it is what it is. DC, you're right. AK and Eversley, they have a plan. They overhauled this entire roster. We've talked about it. So, hey, they have a vision for what they see in this thing. Sato, unfortunately, was not one of those players. We move on, right? Right. (laughs) We move on. And speaking of another player that didn't make the cut, and he definitely was not a fit in this damn new regime, was Denzel Valentine. Fellas, Cleveland seems like they're trying to pick up all of our discarded pieces here. So they traded for Lowry, and now they assigned Denzel. Talk to him. Like the Swaparama, ain't it? Uh-huh. Big <laughs> market special going on out there in Cleveland with, with ex-Bulls players. Hey, I wish Denzel all the best. I'm pretty sure his brother's going to have a solid season coaching but hey man i'm glad he's able to still be in the league because it wasn't looking too good for him for a while there uh it's not like he was one of the first few people that general managers were uh you know (laughs) knocking down the door at at five (laughs) on the first day of free agency so uh hey man good good for you for getting that bag from cleveland yeah, I'm with you there, D.C. Um, good for him for getting another job. I appreciate you saying that part, D.C., because I got nothing against anybody for getting himself another job. But the thing for me is, hey, you want a vacation in Cleveland? Then go ahead, my brother. Go ahead. Uh, you know Denzel. He ain't going on no damn vacation in Cleveland. He going to probably be in <laughs> Chicago more. Any When they got an off day, he going to be his ass right here in Chicago. He thought he was a rapper out here. That boy going to be in Chicago more than anywhere. I hope he can make an impact with those guys because we didn't see enough of that in Chicago. So, I mean, this is the thing, man. Let's just be honest. Some of the reasons why Denzel didn't work out was he never established a jump shot, right? And that was a, a knock that went against him in college. The part of his game in college that I was slightly intrigued by, and DC, you know this, because we talked about it during that draft, I thought that Denzel was a decent playmaker at Michigan State. Right. We never saw that part of his game in the NBA. And so maybe that's something that maybe Cleveland can like dig deep with him and get that part out of him. But we just haven't seen that at the NBA level. Also, Denzel struggles with athleticism. He was never good on defense. And in this modern NBA, <laughs> you don't have athleticism and you slow on the feet. What you think going to happen to you? You're going to get ate up. And that's what happened to him a lot on defense. Yeah, he got a lot going against him. Yeah, he was injured a lot too. Hard to get uh, traction in your career when 
availability is not one of your best abilities. That's a fair point. But I will say this. What is one thing that they value in the NBA? I'll tell you. It's wings that can make plays with the ball in their hands, right? That's something that's coveted in the NBA. So Denzel Valentine showed that skill in brief moments. So maybe, just maybe, Cleveland might have like a diamond in the rough here, but I'm just glad that he's out of Chicago. But to A-Dub's point, I'm glad that he's gotten another opportunity. I like to see people get another shot in the league. I mean, he obviously had a dream in his whole life was to make it to the NBA. Hopefully he does what he needs to do to stay there because the NBA, <laughs> that's just kind of like the NFL. That's that not for long shit. You start getting these teams starting to put you on the back end of their roster. Next thing you know, it, you in the G League. Next thing you know, it, you playing overseas. That's a good point, Chris. So you need to make the best of this opportunity. I think that's probably the right team to go to because I don't think a lot of teams would probably would need them and probably give them time to play. Maybe Cleveland got some minutes for him, right, Perez, to, to, to see if he can continue to grow and evolve into those things that you already shared already with the playmaking ability, the ability to be able to score consistently. So those things, because he don't have any defense, you know. He didn't no. he didn't transition like some of the other guys, like a Draymond Green, anything like that. So he's going to need to really show up a lot of things because you're right, he's not athletic at all. So if he can't make a jump shot consistently or create good plays for others, he's going to struggle. The one thing I will say about Cleveland that they've got over us is they got a great defensive anchor in Jared Allen and mm-hmm. Denzel's entire tenure as a Chicago bull. We never had that. Not in Wendell Carter. Like, man, I would have loved to see Denzel play with Joakim Noah in his prime. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Denzel's best or his skill set would have been utilized better had we had more of a defensive identity, but we just never had it. So, so he may have a chance to shine in Cleveland. That's a hell of a point, D.C., because, yeah, he does have that defensive anchor. That helps out. So we'll see what happens. To be honest, A.W., you made a good point. Maybe their rotation will allow for him to actually play more. But he's got to stay healthy, to your point, D.C. So he's got the opportunity to t- take control of his career. It just matters about if he wants it or not. And that's the thing. <laughs> we'll see what he does. We'll see. All right, fellas. We're going to revisit the Chicago Bears real quick. So, From the game on Sunday, we didn't mention this part earlier, but we had some injuries that came out of the game. We don't know the severity of David Montgomery's hand injury. I saw them look at it a couple times on the sideline. I'm hoping he's good to go for Sunday, but that's something that we'll see what Matt Nagy speaks about, whether it's later on today or tomorrow. We also saw that Jason Peters left the game with a quad injury. This is someone that A-Dub has brought up in the past. Well, trying to, he's trying to get back in football conditioning. So when you see the quad injury happening, that's to be expected with a guy that's 39 years old that hadn't really been training for football that they called while he was on his couch chilling. You know what I mean? So shit happens. The rookie that backed him up, Larry Borum, our fifth-round draft choice, he got rolled up in the game and injured his ankle. So that offensive line is going to be an area that we've already talked about tremendously on this show, but that's an area that we're going to have to continue to just keep an eye on because that offensive line we're on our fourth tackle. If you count Tevin Jenkins not being available, we got four left tackles now that have been in the game here or basically been a part of the rotation. That is a lot of turnover at your most important position on your offensive line. Yeah, Chris, we can't get any consistency at that position, left tackle. It's going to be a long season and not just having someone there consistently, but someone there who can actually make an impact, who can make some good blocks for us and can show us something. So that's going to be troubling for us if we can't fix that position. And then on top of that, let's think about it. 
We didn't even have Eddie Goldman in that game week one. So we'll see if he's even going to come back here in week two. That's someone, A-Dub, that you talked about as far as that ankle and knee injury of being concerned if he was even going to be available. Well, he wasn't available. And that showed you how his loss showed you how important he is to that defense because we didn't get that normal pressure and push in the pocket with him out of the lineup. So that's going to be something that we all need to be keeping an eye on. But back to the point really quickly about the offensive line. When you have all these offensive tackles where that position has been a revolving door and you have everyone calling for Justin Fields, I wanted to get your point on this, D.C., how do you still feel about the fan base and the national media all calling for Justin Fields? Meanwhile, they're not thinking about the fact that the left tackle position is a fucking just a sif right now. Well, I feel like we can't baby Justin Fields. He's going to get hit at some point in his NFL career. And being that we have these issues, it's really going to come down to is Justin Fields capable enough to look at that disadvantage and turn it into an advantage? How can he take advantage of that situation? How can he be quicker in the pocket? How can he, you know, rush for more yards? You know, I, I feel like he's ready for it. We can't, we can't necessarily be afraid or fearful uh, to throw him out there in that situation, given the fact that we don't have that offensive line support. Here's where a lot of us might disagree with you, Ed, D.C. No one wants to lose your franchise quarterback, right, due to a messed up line, really. And I think that's the one thing people look at, a lot of us look at, is that, hey, we need this guy for the long haul, not just for this one season here. We're mm-hmm. talking about 10, 12 seasons, really. So we want to be very careful, right, with it. I do agree with you about wanting to play him, though, to a certain extent, but not expensive having him get hurt either. So you really got to be careful with a guy that's still learning the game, still trying to brush up on a couple of things from a skill set. So, you, but again, you don't want to lose him. So you got to be very careful. Listen, I, the way I look at it, and I see exactly where both of you guys are going, because I can definitely kind of see where DC was going, but I lean more to where you're going, A-Dub, because I'm just going to give this quick analogy, and I think y'all both forget it and so the audience. Imagine you went out and bought you a brand new Porsche as a parent, and you got a 16-year-old kid that just got his driver's license, and he's like, Dad, can I take the Porsche out for a spin? And you looking at him like, you just got your damn license. You better go pick up that Toyota Corolla. <laughs> And get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> well, Andy Dalton is that Toyota Corolla, in my opinion. Justin Fields is that shiny Porsche. So as much as we all want to take that motherfucker out for a spin, <laughs> yeah, we need to pump our brakes a little bit. <laughs> right? Well, don't get a little more experience out there, then we make that decision there. But not yet. Not yet. analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, though. His time is going to come this season. Oh, it yeah. Is- no doubt. You saw the comments that came out. His teammates know that there's something special with this guy. So it's going to come. It's just a matter of time. And one thing I'll add that to you, DC, on that part of it, it's probably going to be a matter of time, but I just hope he learned that, hey, how to handle himself and not not to get hurt. And I think that's the key factor right there, really, understanding how to protect yourself, Justin Fields. I know you may want to come in and do so much, but I don't want you to ruin yourself trying to do so much. So learning where to do that, learning how to slide, what you start to learn, things like that, little small things, right, to keep you from getting hurt. Well, now, one thing that I'll say before we move along, you remember in that Buffalo Bills preseason game when Justin Fields didn't account for that blitzer because his inexperience came out and he took an unnecessary hit. And that was a violent hit that he took. Helmet fell off the whole nine. Yeah, when I saw that. I said, uh-uh, 
I don't ever want to see that man get hit like that again. A part of my soul left my body when I saw him get hit like that. I'm like, whoa, don't hit my quarterback like that. What are you doing? So I'm just a little overprotective right now. So I'm with you there, Chris. Listen, I'm over here like, man, I just put the wax on this Porsche, man. This is good. Just (laughs) (laughs) Just got my wheels shine. Parking like 15 spaces away in the parking lot, so nobody parked next to you. See, see, you feel me? Yep. <laughs> there's gonna be somebody, there's gonna be somebody with some beater that's gonna park right next to that mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yep. All right, well, let's transition over to the Chicago Sky. So, we already talked about it on last week's show that they clinched a the playoff spot, however, a dub. They lost to the Washington Mystic again. Now, you and I went to the Washington Mystic game when they played against the Sky, and they lost that game in overtime. Something about that Washington Mystics team, they just can't seem to, to get a, a handle on them. That Tina Charles, man, she is a beast, and she had another big-time game on uh, <laughs> last week, man. Yeah, man. Tina Charles put the work on us, though, but I think we're our own enemy, too, though, Perez, when it comes down to it. I do understand some teams give you matchup problems, you know, just know how to play against you. But our ladies really didn't play a good game at all, Perez. Like, we struggled the whole game. My girl, Khalil Copper, really couldn't score anything, Perez. It was a tough night, really, for all of them. So it came back to bite us in the butt, especially out that first quarter, because now we're trying to make up a lot of points, and we just couldn't make up the ground. Yeah, they got off to a really bad start. I mean, they I give them props for coming back um, and making it, you know, look competitive. But, uh, but yeah, that was just one where – it's one of those where you just kind of know you about to take an L earlier in the night. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't feeling right right now, DC. You know how it is. Hey, we're not looking good as a team. It's going to be one of those days. Coach Wade probably saw them walk into the locker room uh, before the game. was like, nah, we ain't going to win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that body language, friends. You can say, like, yeah, it's one of those days. But I'll just say this. I just have to just say this. I mean, as we're looking at our team gearing up for the playoffs. Now, the reason why I brought up the part about Tina Charles being a matchup problem, is there's no one on that Chicago Sky roster that can defend her one-on-one. So you have to double-team to get the ball out of her hands. Now, let's just think about some other teams potentially they could play in the playoffs. They're going to face even more type of talent like that. So I think Coach Wade is going to really have to do a better job on his defensive schemes to make sure that they're figuring out something to stop. They can't have like a player going off for 30 points and 10 because all that's doing is opening it up for other people, because then also when they were doubling Tina Charles, she was kicking it out to the open person and they were knocking down shots. Yeah, Perez, that's the key right there. You just hit when she was kicking it out, our rotation really running those guys, those young ladies off the uh, three point line and opposed to make them shoot threes, make them shoot twos. And I think that was hurting us. We gave a lot of three point shots up there. And then, again, they started making them and nothing we can do about that. But you got to play better defense than that. That's what I would just say about that piece. Yeah, and in the next couple games coming up, I know we've got the Aces again. We've got the Fever. You don't want to give these teams any ammunition to to figure out, you know, how to beat you because you want to keep your cards close to your to your chest, so to speak. You know, no pun intended with the Aces coming up, but you know, like like I said, you know, you want to make sure that you're going into the playoffs. And you're striking some kind of fear into your opponent or these teams that you could potentially match up against. You know, you don't want to let them feel like you're a pushover. And Tina Charles has just created the blueprint for how to defeat you guys. Exactly. And also another thing, guys, the Chicago Sky, we always talk about their shooting ability, especially for three-point range. But one of my issues with this team is if that three-point shot isn't going down, 
they're a beatable team. And that game against the Mystics, they shot three for 22 from three-point range. And you know how the old adage says, you can live by that three, but you also can die by that motherfucker too. That's true, Press. You can die by it. And what I've seen these teams doing to us is they really making um, Allie work really hard. They really are. They're really trying to close out on her because they know she's been a threat. People have been watching our team, Press, saying what's working for us and how we're getting where we're getting that to. And we saw that quickly has been doing one of those um, jobs with knocking down shots and all. I mean, she gives us any, any kind of daylight, she's going to make you pay. So they're realizing that, hey, they know what ladies can do when they want to try to take advantage of that. So that's what they're trying to do. And I will say this. We talked about it on multiple episodes on the show. The Chicago Sky, they've had a tough season. It's been a lot of highs and lows, but you think about the injuries. They happened earlier in the season, and they dealt with some injuries here down the stretch a little bit. So when I look at this, I'm proud of them that they were able to clinch a playoff spot, but I just have some concerns with them, and I just hope that they can shore up some of these things defensively with the rotation, figuring out um, defensively, how to stop some of these key people. And also, hopefully, like you said, D.C., hopefully these other teams don't see what Tina Charles has done to them on multiple occasions this season and try to replicate that same type of scheme. The one thing I kind of add to that, what you just said about Tina Charles, is that she beat us with the inside and outside game press. She stepped out on the three-point line, was doing damage out there. So we can't let no one do both against us, right? Be that versatile on us. And, and you just got to continue to preach unselfishness. Just make sure the ball is moving. Keep these ladies guessing. You can't just let these teams come in and do whatever they want to. Like you said, to your point, A-Dub, inside, outside. You got you to gotta make them work for it. So we'll definitely see how this goes. To the point D.C. was making earlier, we got our final regular season homestand for the Chicago Sky. The Aces are coming to town on the 17th and the Fever on the 19th. For any of our listeners here in Chicago, go out and support those ladies this weekend. The Chicago Sky are doing a fan appreciation promotion as well. So if you purchase tickets for those two games, they're giving you a free playoff ticket at Wintrust. I think that's a hell of a deal. And if I was going to be in town this weekend, I would totally be doing it myself. But definitely go out there and support. Even if you don't buy the two-ticket promotion deal, go out there for one of the games. They really need that support heading into the playoffs. Good point there, Press. Definitely can use that support. But these are also two big games because right now we're sitting at the sixth seed, and if we lose these games, that can probably push us down further in the playoffs. So big well, as, games here. As far as people that are be going to the game, if you decide to go to the game, the Chicago Sky are doing also new COVID protocol. So when A-Dub and I were at the game, I don't think it was mandatory to wear a mask. I know a lot of people around us were. So what they're doing now is they're asking for fans to provide, whether it's physical or digital proof that they had a COVID-19 vaccine, they have to be able to show that before they can get um, interest into the stadium. Now, they also said people that are not fully vaccinated, they have to have a negative test result within 48 hours of the game. So just wanted to put that little tidbit out there. You know, I respect the protocols there. It's all about staying safe. But to your point, Perez, we got to have people come out and support this team because... This could be something special, uh, especially with Candace Parker coming back this in her first season with the Sky. So we we definitely got to cheer them on. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, all right. So everyone's uh, semi-favorite part of the show is when we talk about A-dubs. Uh, I'm going to give them triple A today, triple A Cubs. I'm only giving them that designation because A-dub, y'all got a prospect in the triple A ranks right now who's tearing it up. Wish he was on the Sox. However, 
Brendan Davis has been tearing it up in AAA, debut with two home runs. So I give y'all a AAA designation. But A-Dub, what you think about Chris Bryant and his return to Wrigley? Came there with the San Francisco Giants audience. Yeah, Perez, he did return to Wrigley, man. And um, as a Cub fan, I was kind of happy to see him, but kind of sad to see him on the other side with a different uniform on. Because I know what he done for our team to help us win a World Series. So um, for me, it's just kind of sad. But I do like the tribute we gave him. We did show him some love there. I even saw a look on his face like, you know what, he kind of appreciated it. So for me, kind of happy to see the guy. That was probably tough to see. That's like the ex, man, where, you know, the breakup shit happens. We talked about the exes a lot on the show today, but I just thought <laughs> that this was just something funny because you probably looking at Chris Bryant like, man, I'm happy for you, but I ain't really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, have a good game, but lose. You know what I'm saying? But I want to see him do well. But at the end of the day, man, I just want to see the guy. I wish he was pretty much part of the Cubs organization still, but I get it. It's a business. You know how it go. I go. I feel like during that series, somebody was at home crying to Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. <laughs> Watching Chris. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, I feel like there's some diehard Cubs fans out there that just can't grasp that moment seeing your beloved player in another jersey. It's, it's hard. It was hard seeing Mike in, in a Wizards jersey. Even though he was at the end of his career, I was just like, no, it's just not right. There's something not right about this. First of all, DC, that never happened. You stop that lie right now. (laughs) (laughs) He played his whole career career in Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) All you remember was that last shot, man. That's all you miss, the shot. That's it. Nothing else. All I I remember is is Byron Russell flopping. That's all I remember. (laughs) But I get the point you're saying out there, DC, for sure. You know, and, um, the one thing I was listening to Chris Bryant talk about, you know, the fact that they still left the door open, a possible return to the Cubs. Doesn't mean it's <laughs> going to happen, but they left the door open. So, you know, we'll see when free agency come, you know, and all that stuff. You know, we'll see where he land at. But I know he's worth a lot of money at this point, and we'll just see. Man, that sounds good, A-Dub. You know that shit ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen either, Perez. I really don't. But, you know, the door is open. Now, what I would want to ask you, just because you threw that out there, I think it might be more possible for Javi to come back than I think anybody else to left there. What do you guys think about that? I don't know, man. I don't think Javi, you know, the way Javi is and where he's at right now, he wants to really play with his guy Lindor. So I don't know about that, Perez. I really don't. And, um, you know, you just never know what's in these players' minds. If he comes back, cool. I can embrace him. You know, no doubt. But it's where he fits at, where he feels comfortable at. And right now, it looks like he likes these certain lights on the Mets with the Mets. And you know how it is in New York, you know, if you want to get noticed, that's where you can possibly get noticed at for sure. I feel like they'll probably want to come back to Chicago at some point. But if the White Sox really take off, like, like I feel like the White Sox can, they might be on the south side. You know, you never know. I mean, we might make some moves and, and try to fit those guys in down the line. But I just don't see the Cubs building it back up to that point to, to entice them to come back and make another run at it. You know what? The only reason I brought that up is just because when Javi left, he said at the time that he would love a return to Chicago. And if you remember, he wasn't one of those guys on the way out that had any sort of beef with the front office. So that's why I thought maybe there could be something there. But to the point you made, yeah, he probably loves being in New York. But I just say you can't rule it out. 
Yeah, you're right, Perez. You're right. I mean, as long as you're not throwing any thumb down to the fans, right? And, and, and you know, giving the fans a lot of hell, maybe you could return back to the Cubs, right? That's a possibility. But we'll see, Perez. I'm not close to throwing that either. You're right. But y'all gonna have to give them that 200 million dollars if they want it. Probably ain't gonna get that to them right now. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got it. <laughs> we ain't got it. <laughs> Shout out to your boy Patrick Wisdom. You talk about him a lot on the show. The oldest rookie in the league, but. He tied uh, Chris Bryant's uh, home run record, bro, as a rookie. Why you got to say that, though? What what, what that got to do with the press? Why you just going to well, give him the just, props? <laughs> I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to paint a picture where everybody knows that he's a 31-year-old rookie. That's all I want you to all know. All right, man. All right, man. All right. All right. Okay, press. <laughs> but you're that, right. That was, remember back in the day, that Al Monte kid who was striking everybody in the Little League World Series? That's Patrick Wisdom right now. That kid was like 10 years older than everybody. He was striking, <laughs> throwing 90-mile-per-hour fastballs. I forgot all about that until now. <laughs> you y'all remember that they changed his birth certificate and shit? I was like, man, they'll do anything to win. Man. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> man, leave my boy alone, man. Patrick Wisdom. That's my guy, man. He's done a lot of that press with less at best than what my boy Chris Bryant had. So it just shows you that right now on this stage, the guy can ball, he can play, man. So I'm happy to see him get opportunity right now. Hey, I'm all for some positive news for the Northsiders. So, you know, not too much positive because Southside is taking over. But hey. Yes, sir. Talk to him, DC. Talk to him, because I will tell you this. I wanted to change up the shift, the tone of the cup segment a little bit there, because I wanted to keep it positive. Because, A-Dub, I'm, I'm riding with you, man. You're still my brother. Now, <laughs> you might, listen, it's like back in the day. Remember how we coming up, you know, you might have had a cousin or a, a friend, and they, they were in gangs and stuff like that, and they had different affiliations. But at the end of the day, they were still cool. So you still my boy. Still my boy, Blue. Appreciate it, brother. I appreciate it, you know. I'm going to still be your boy when Patch of Wisdom break, you know, the rookie record for what Chris Bryan did. We still going to be cool after that. We still going to be cool if your White Sox win the World Series, all that stuff. So we're going to be cool, man, no matter what, my brother. Yes, sir. And you're going to be kicking it with me in D.C. at the party. Shit, you going to come on to the parade with us too, right? But I ain't wearing no jerseys. I ain't wearing no White Sox jerseys. I'm coming with my Cubs hat on. Is that cool with you guys? I don't care. Listen, I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> On them black kids with the white C or something. Let it be black and white. Just <laughs> <laughs> blend in a little better for aesthetics. <laughs> I, I oh, remember wow. when when the Cubs won. I went to the parade with my brother, and he was like, "Man," he said, "Don't come out here with no socks hat." I said, "I ain't gonna wear no socks hat." You know what I did? I wore a white tee and a Bulls hat. I was like, "I refuse to wear anything Cubs related," and I'm not gonna be the salty <laughs> guy wearing a socks hat. But I had it in the car. I almost did it, but that was the last second to switch. And I was like, I'm put the, I'm put on the bull's hat. Anybody gonna have a problem with this? <laughs> you ain't want no trouble, Brez. I get it. It's cool. You did the right thing. What's smart of you? Come on, man. You know I ain't ducking no smoke. You ain't wanna be out there throwing blows with your brother, man. That's all I'm saying, brother. Hey, listen, I just told you I'm not ducking no smoke. He don't want that. Trey Songs, <laughs> you know what it is. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Speaking of everyone knowing what it is, DC. The White Sox magic number is in single digits, down to seven as of this recording. DC, talk to him about those first place Chicago White Sox, son. Siete. Siete, siete, siete. That's a, such a beautiful number right there. It's a number of completion. If I could just, just put a bow on this with a World Series victory, like, man, like that, it's realistic. I could taste it. I could smell it. I could, I could feel it. I can feel it coming in the air tonight, man. I'm telling you, this is this is exactly <laughs> this is exactly what we've been been needing since 2005, man. I haven't felt it in 16 years. 
I will say this right now. I think both of you all are kind of bored with the regular season. You all just like, let, let's just be ready for the playoffs, pretty much. We ready to see you guys on playoffs. I know I am. I'm tired of this regular season talk now. You guys got to show me something. Well, let's just say this. You know, I don't like the fast forward games because I feel like there's still things that these guys can learn. There's some young guys that are like Gavin Cheats right now. He's been tearing it up. So it gives these younger guys that they called up in September, give them an opportunity to get some at-bats and get those guys ready down the stretch. So, no, to your point, um, A-Dub, yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe DC and I am looking forward a little bit to the playoffs, but I'm also trying to see some of the fine tuning that some of these guys are doing right now getting some of these guys healthy, you know? So this time right. is very valuable, at yep. least in my opinion. No, it is. You're right. It's very valuable for us. It really is, man. I think you guys handled it the right way. I will give the White Sox organization credit for how they handle things. So you're right. Giving guys to come up to, to get some bats in, that's always good. They're giving your guys some minutes and rest to make sure he's healthy, fully healthy. So make sure your guys are all good. Then also, you also want to make sure your bullpen is ready too. So that's a big factor there. That's exactly right. And also... We are going to do something that we haven't done since 2008, and that's going to be winning our division. And I can't wait to see that pennant go up, brother, because it's been a while. It's been a while. DC talked about since 2005 with that World Series title, but we had a pennant go up in a minute, bro. So now (laughs) we got another one going up potentially. So I can't wait. I can't wait. Seven and counting. Oh, good for you guys. Good. And right now, just finish, finish strong. You know, everybody's pretty steady. I see the Blue Jays creeping up. They, they've got hot as of late, you know, but the American League, as far as, as far as in our division, we got a pretty sizable lead there. So yes, yes, we, we, we moving in the right direction. We really are. And when I look at like teams in the AL that I'm kind of like looking at and, and I say, okay, which team is somebody that I think could be a potential threat? And I look at those Houston Astros. They cheat asses. <laughs> <laughs> man, how I know you're going to go that route, man. But you know what? I'm not even lying to you, Press. I kind of look at them sideways now. Like, you know what? They cheat again. I know they're playing well, but if they do something they shouldn't be doing, it's just, it's, it, it took away the purity of the game at, at some point. So it's like now you kind of wonder, you kind of proceed with cautious with them. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. If I am able to score some tickets to any of those games and we happen to play them in the playoffs, I'm going to be sitting directly across from that dugout. If I see one of them guys beat on a bucket, if I see anybody move too hard, I am fucking snitching. I don't care. Y'all can say whatever y'all want about me. That'd be the first time in my life I ever snitched on anybody or anything, but I am telling. <laughs> hey, I'm not mad at you, brother. I am not mad at you at all, man, because that's a big factor of the game, man. I think cheating, man, always costs you. That's how I felt about the Patriots. I never could respect them because of that part of it, man. Too many too many uh, things they've been involved with that caused them to cheat in the game. And the same way I look at the Astros right now, like, look, I'm not sure if you guys are, you know, going to be pure with this year, but at the end of the day, people are going to start checking people to make sure everything is right. Well, they got your boy Dusty Baker, former Cubs manager. He's their manager. Now, Dusty wasn't around for... The, the cheating allegations and all the stuff that went down. So maybe he come in there and clean it up. You know what I'm saying? Mr. Toothpick. So we'll see. But I'm telling you, if I see anything foolishness going on, Dusty, I am telling on your whole team, your organization, I will be on the phone. I'll be calling everybody. I don't care. I, was, I will say this. Toothpick was around Barry Bonds, right? And we Ooh. don't allegations Barry Bonds was involved with. And Toothpick ain't say nothing. Just say Ooh, look at A-Dub going back in the vault. I'm sorry, I had to go there, Perez. I hate. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> but it is what it is, brother. 
Now, was it was it alleged steroid use? I just want to make sure. Or was it actual steroid use? He what said the cream. The cream was one of them pressed, so he knew it was something he shouldn't be doing. You know what I'm saying? He already uh, knew. All I know is his head swollen up like fucking uh, kazoo. That's all I remember. <laughs> it did too, man. It was like, you know what? It's almost like, you know what? We can't deny this, man. Like, you caught, brother. You caught. I know you're a great player, but you kind of like caught right here. You know what? And we get di- we digressing real quick, but I just got one last point on that with Barry Bonds. If he did do that, he didn't need it. He was already a good damn ball player. So I don't even know what Barry was doing by getting all that shit. He was still hitting home runs before that shit. I don't know. I but- agree. I still think it's all the famer in my book. That's just me, but I'm with the press. We're good. What about Sammy Sosa? <laughs> hey, Sammy Sosa say you can. Hey, look, he ain't, look. Sammy Sosa denied everything, so we can't say he did or did not. These are all allegations on Sammy Sosa. So. I'm going to say Sammy Sosa, if he did use it, it just pretty much shows in the numbers, if you want to talk about that. But from an allegation standpoint, he wasn't accused. So I think he should be in, too. I was just curious, because I know you missed the Cub over there. And at one point, Sammy was Mr. Cub at one point. Yeah, I still got love for Sammy Sosa, man. We need to respect him as a Cub organization as well. And this would be the perfect time, talking about all these cheating allegations, to play Shaggy, it wasn't me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't win Sosa, man. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. We already had that cork bat. That bat fucking shouted into like 50,000 pieces and shit. And then they tried to hide the cork bat. Man, Sammy, you had a lot of shit going on, bro. You had a lot of shit. <laughs> he was called red with that cork bat. I was like, oh, come on, man. He pulled the time break on us. I'm like, come on, man. You, you know that's a cork bat there, man. You know that ain't the bat you're supposed to be using. You know. It's like Tom Brady know the football size. You know it ain't the good football you're supposed to be using. So, you know. this. That's that's your world. You know. That's your profession. You should know. And you know what? The Cubs still haven't welcomed him back. So, that's, that goes to show you a lot about how they feel about him. And he, at one point, was like that guy in our franchise history. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough, Prez. And I'll just leave this with you guys on this note, man. He done a lot for the organization. All those home runs was hitting Prez. We as Chicago Cubs fans, we loved all that. So for me, to see him not welcome back here, man, that kind of sting, and it does hurt. Fair point. But, you know, those are your glory days. But, hey, you get to now enjoy Lewis Robert and the boys tearing it up in the playoffs. D.C., <laughs> I can't wait. A-Dub, listen, man. We riding with you still. I know you're going to probably be sitting there happy for us, but probably at the same time wishing that your team was out there. Because guess what? When y'all won the World Series, I didn't have any hate about it. I just was like, shit, I want my team to be out there. So, you know, it is what it is, right? All I'm going to do, Press, is salute to you guys, give y'all respect, and say, hey, look, I need to focus on my team and how we can get better. That's going to be my job going forward if you guys win it all. Fair enough. That's respect right there. All right, audience, final segment time. If this city can talk, if this city could talk, it's going to go out to you, Mayor Lightfoot. If you guys weren't aware, she wants to sue gangs civilly if they cause any sort of crime or damage to individual people and, and so forth. And so her ordinance will allow the city to file that lawsuit against not only the gang, but any of its leaders. And she says she's going to continue to try to fight to make sure that these individuals pay for the destruction that they caused to the city. So, Mayor Lightfoot, if this city could talk, it would say, this feels like a very, very political move. If I would be very frank with you, Mayor, I would say that probably 99% of this situation is political and 1% of this has any substance associated with it. Now, I fully support holding criminals accountable for their behavior, but 
not this scattershot bullshit that you're trying to do. Because let's be honest, how many of these quote unquote gang members have any sort of assets that you're going to be able to go after? And if you're going to try to go after somebody civilly, that means that they have to admit that they're doing anything gang enterprise wise. You really think that these people are going to open court and admit that they are a part of a criminal organization? Highly doubtable. So, Mayor Lightfoot, I know what you're trying to do, but why don't you just try to fix crime and not come up with these harebrained schemes? I'm with you there, Perez. I am with you there. And I hope her tactics work. I mean, I thought it was interesting, but you make a good point. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. If this city could talk, it will say that those who are out there going to school and working hard, it will say continue to be careful. There's a lot that's happening in the city these days, and COVID has been one part of it. But also understand that there are a lot of kids going to schools that they're not used to going to. It's a new day, a new time frame. And now you're learning different people out there, Perez, these kids, and parents are going to different areas that they normally wouldn't go to. So I will just say be careful, especially in suburban areas where a lot of the changes have happened at. So be careful there. The one thing I will say in terms of if this city could talk is that we all have to start realizing that climate change is real. Now, we alluded to it earlier, you know, about the about the weather here in Chicago. Got to get out and enjoy it. This coming weekend, I'm seeing 90s and we are halfway. We're almost in October. I remember growing up back to school time. You had a hoodie with you. You know, you felt that little brisk that 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 breeze in the air. It felt like summer is not done yet and we're about to be in October. So, you know, let's let's just uh, let's all start to 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 do a little bit more environmentally just to make sure that that we all can chip in and do our part, because the last thing any of us want to see is another polar vortex crashing down next March or next April. You know, it's, it's kind of getting out of control. So let's uh, make sure, you know, you pick up after yourselves. If you don't have to drive, don't drive. Get some exercise. Take a bike ride. Do something, you know. Captain Planet was on to something back in the day. You know, we can, we, we can do our part. We can all chip in. So let's take care of ourselves and our planet. Hey, well said, DC. A-Dub, I love yours as well. Audience, as always, please join us on our exclusive community at Crave It. You can find us at Chicago Versus on Apple and Android applications. Fellas, it's another dope-ass episode, brothers, and we are out. DC, gonna sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. The GOAT. You asked all my teammates, the one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.